Hi, everybody, and welcome to Coach's Corner. Today, I have a beautiful and very uplifting conversation with my friend, Christine Carlson. Any of you that are dealing with any kind of loss, the death of someone you love, or a transition, any kind of grief, Christine is going to be medicine for your heart and soul today. Let me tell you a little bit more about her. She's a New York Times bestselling author, speaker, and leader in the field of transformation. After collaborating with her late husband, Dr. Richard Carlson, to create a publishing industry phenomenon with the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series, remember that great series, selling more than 25 million copies worldwide. Today, Chris is emerging as a powerful teacher in the areas that matter most to the human heart, how to heal and how to love. Chris has captivated readers around the world with her previous six books. In her new book, From Heartbreak to Wholeness, The Hero's Journey to Joy, she offers a process for healing that goes beyond common prescriptions for getting through the pain of heartbreak of all kinds. She takes readers by the hand, we're listeners today, and gives you a life-altering map for navigating the journey from loss to joy, one that can awaken them to a deep love affair with life. And before we dive into this episode, I want to thank our sponsor, which is Third Love. Third Love bras are tailored to fit both size and shape and come in exclusive half cup sizes. They're armed with the measurements of millions of women. Third Love scrapped the standard bra cup size mold and developed their own. These bras are designed to fit real women. And you can skip the trip to the store. You can find your fit online from the comfort of your home. No more awkward or annoying fitting room experiences. And Third Love bras are made by women for women. Co-founder and CEO Heidi Zach knew there was an opportunity to build a better bra, one that could fit perfectly. So here's what to do. Go to thirdlove.com, take their Fit Finder quiz, answer a few simple questions to find your perfect fit, takes less than a minute. Third Love has 60 sizes. Most bra brands only carry 15 from AA through G. 50% of women fall between standard cup sizes. So Third Love invented half cup sizing. Choose half half sizes. Why shouldn't bras? And they're super comfortable. I love mine. Tagless labels, no itching, straps that don't slip, ultra soft smoothing fabric, lightweight memory foam cups. Go get yours today, ladies. Here's your call to action. Go to thirdlove.com slash over it now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. Again, thirdlove.com slash over it for 15% off today. And now on to my compassionate and beautiful conversation with Christine Carlson. So I am so happy to have you on the show, Chris. Thank you so much for being here. Oh my gosh. It is an honor and a pleasure. Thank you, Christine. And you are very special. So everybody heard your professional introduction just a minute ago, but I just want to share personally, you are special to me in so many ways. You've just been a dear, dear friend and beautiful mentor. And also Expectation Hangover was pretty much written at your home in Sea Ranch. So (laughs) Without you and your generosity, that book wouldn't have been birthed into the world in the way that it was. So thank you for for providing the beautiful space for that book to be written. Well, that space has provided space for a lot of great books. So yeah. <laughs> I've had that experience too. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of great books, you've got a new one out that I'm really excited to talk to you about, which is From Heartbreak to Wholeness. Can you talk a little bit about what inspired this book for you? Yeah, thank you so much. Um, this book is really the culmination of a 10-year journey for me of healing. And, you know, it began um, with the loss of my husband about 11 years ago. Um, Richard and I, as you know from my bio and intro, 
um, created a really amazing brand um, in the world and had an amazing life, had really what would be considered very close to the perfect life um, at the point of his death. And he died very suddenly from a pulmonary embolism while on a flight while promoting um, his latest book. And that really sent me and my two daughters who were in high school at the time into a lot of grief and a, and a lot of heartbreak, as you can imagine. And so I've basically in this book, I, I really wanted to um, kind of as a, um, a symbol of coming to my own completion almost with a very long journey in the sense of going from heartbreak to wholeness myself, I wanted to distill down um, really the best of what I'd learned into nine chapters that would impact somebody else's healing journey, make their um, journey really count for something for their soul growth. I love that. And, and make it not something that stops them from really living the rest of their life. Because that's one thing I know as, as your friend is you didn't bypass the grief. You allowed yourself to feel it, but you also didn't allow your life to completely stop, you know, and, and you're one of the bright, you have one of the best smiles and greatest laughs of anyone that I know <laughs> and how, I mean, especially at the beginning. So let, let's, let's back up because there may be people who are, are dealing with a lot of, uh, relatively fresh loss. We'll put it that right. way. And that loss could be a death. Um, that loss could be the abandonment of someone. So when, if for, for the people in that freshness, what advice do you have for them? You know, I would just say, hold on when you're in the very, um, early, you know, moments and days and weeks of loss, you know, you may not be ready to embark on the journey ahead. You know, you might need to just hunker down and take really good care of yourself. You know, uh, human beings are not a lot different than wounded animals. We need time and space to heal. A lot of times it feels better if we can create that for ourselves, you know, to even if you're working and you feel like, oh, I can't stop, you know, I have to go to work. But maybe on your weekends, you don't busy yourself. You know, our culture will tell you to busy yourself through loss. And I will tell you that to busy yourself through loss is to deny yourself the time and space to heal and to feel. Because in essence, if you don't acknowledge these these feelings of loss that often come, you know, with a great crisis of identity, an identity crisis, you know, the end of a relationship, however it, however we meet that end often leaves us feeling very much alone and in crisis of who are we without this person? Who are we without this dream? You know, who are we without really being able to step into our lives? And I think that, you know, using, um, really thinking of this time to take supreme self-care measures is really important. You know, do your best to eat well, do your best to hydrate, you know, spend some time in nature do your best to quiet down so that you have the space to, you know, really feel your feelings. And, and it's an amazing thing because the body will really tell you, um, when you're not feeling because you might get a stomach ache or you might be having a cough or your immune system might not feel so strong. And these are all signs that, you know, that you're probably not allowing yourself to feel your feelings and empty out your grief. And what I say is, you know, you empty out each, um, each wave of grief and, and it allows for something new to be birthed within you. And, you know, that might sound kind of new agey or trite or whatever, but it really isn't, you know, we, we have to allow ourselves 
to expel those emotional um, feelings that get stored up in our body. And then lo and behold, your body and your mind will really um, reward you by, you know, releasing some amazing serotonin, you know, in your brain, you'll feel suddenly much better, you'll feel relaxed. And you may even feel joy again, right after you go through a deep wave of grief. I know I did. Mm. And Christina, what do you, for somebody again, like speaking to people that are right in it, and I know this is probably true for you, or I, I assume it is, who am I to say I know? Um, we, there's a lot of people that reach out and that are calling or that want to stop by. Um, because when some, especially when someone dies, the people around us go through grief too and, and don't always know how to handle it. How do you deal with all that? How do you deal with managing your own feelings and, and grief, but also the the in the influx of people reaching out with good intentions, of course, and wanting to connect, wanting to serve, wanting to offer their condolences. There's two things I would say to that, Christine. You know, I, I watched a girlfriend of mine go through um, breast cancer the last couple of years. And, you know, her immediate response to having breast cancer was she really didn't want a lot of people stopping by unless they were going to drop by a meal for her family or something. She didn't want to have to entertain them or deal with their emotions while she was dealing with her own. And, you know, and I totally understood that, you know, some people might say that's isolating, but she wasn't making the choice to isolate herself from a, you know, from a real wounded place. She was making that choice from an empowered place about what does she need. And I think we all have to really be tuned into what are your needs. Certainly you don't need to be taking care of other people when you're going through a crisis yourself, what you need is to have people around you that can support and hold you in crisis that don't need anything from you. They're there simply because they're going to hold your space. They're going to help you feel grounded. They're going to be a nurturing container, a shoulder to lean on. You know, I was very specific when I was in grief. I had friends that I couldn't stand to be around while I was in grief that I loved typically that I love today but they weren't the people that I would seek out in grief because first of all, they wanted to fix it. They wanted to fix me and I was not going to be fixed right away. And I mm -hmm. knew that neither were my kids. You know, we were going to go through a process of healing. And in those early days, that was very painful for people to watch and very painful for people to sit and, you know, see my kids be so devastated and, you know, and I would say, you know, no, she needs to just be on her own if that's what she wants. You know, let her be in her room, let her cry, you know, let her be because, you know, we all deep down, if we ask ourselves, what do we need in this situation? What are our needs? We can find those answers. And, you know, I would just encourage people to structure their lives around what you need. You know, this is the time in your life when you're going through loss to be a little bit selfish. It's okay. It's okay to take care of yourself in the way that you decide you need to take care of yourself. You know, and I think that's the first way you really get your power back. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, such, such good advice. And you have such, you're, you're just, your voice is so compassionate and so soothing that I just feel like people are already getting healing from listening. So thank you for that. Um, and so it, in your book, is it written just for people who are grieving the loss of someone through either death or divorce or another kind of loss? Or is it, it can anybody that wants some support in moving? Because there can be lots of heartbreak, right? Yeah, that's right. No, I really did my best to not make this just about my story of loss, but 
to talk about all the different kinds of losses that really create a loss of identity, you know, because Mm -hmm. when we lose our identity through various means, you know, a breakup, a divorce, the loss of our home, which so many people have endured this last couple of years and from all the natural disasters and catastrophes, you know, from the loss of the news that we're a healthy person, you know, that's heartbreaking to many people, you know, that, you suddenly are walking along thinking you're this person and then you're not. You're mm-hmm. told you have you have something that makes you feel like you're a different person. You know, so there's all sorts of different ways that we go through heartbreak. Um, this book is really about choosing how you step into your healing and really choosing not to be the victim of your circumstances, but really standing um, more empowered by embracing the journey, you know, and really embracing this idea that you can step into a process of healing and, um, and find the meaning for what's happened in your life. And then, you know, tell a different story. I mean, really tell the, tell the story from the hero's lens. That's what I realized, um, you know, early on in my loss, I, I held these heartbroken open circles because I had written a book called heartbroken open and, I held these heartbroken open circles, Christine, and I would see these women come and they would be so broken, but Mm. they get so empowered by sharing their story Mm -hmm. and, you know, watching each woman, you know, share her story in the circle. It just, I could see that they would get their strength back by sharing that story and they were healing themselves by sharing their own story. And then I would encourage them you know, to not be the victim of this circumstance, to embrace it, to say, yeah, you know, this sucks, this happened, but I've got to walk in, I've got to step into my life as it is. I can't step into a life that I wanted that I'm, you know, I have to step into life as it is. And that's what the hero would say. The hero would say, everyone, you know, in crisis asks, like, why did this happen to me? But the hero will eventually shift into the question, why did this happen for me? And that's the big difference. Yeah. Yeah. And it's that dance, right? Of why did this happen for me and honoring where I am honoring? I I'm grieving. I'm sad. I'm feeling, I'm feeling a lot right now. And I'm not a victim of my circumstances and there will be a day it doesn't hurt, but it's honoring, it's honoring both. And you're, you, you do a beautiful job of teaching that. And I think this book is really helpful for that too, because when we are in any kind of loss, we want to, we want the hurt to stop. (laughs) And from my point of view, you really show us how we can treat the hurt versus just wanting to, to, to get it to stop really how we can treat it and use it and soothe it and grow from it. Yeah. And I talk a lot about how even, you know, at the end of a relationship, people use another relationship as a bandaid, you know, when they really need a tourniquet, they're, they're just band, you know, putting a bandage on, you know, a very deep wound and, you know, and I'm hope to um, help people realize that, you know, sometimes it's better, you know, not to try and put that bandaid on so tight or put a bandaid on too soon, you know, that, you know, it's okay to allow yourself to, um, go through these emotional changes. And, and yet I understand all too well. And I, and I felt this way in my early in my loss too. I was terrified of what was to come, you know, mm. it's, it's terrifying to face the unknown and the deeper the relationship, the, the more you have invested in that relationship in loss, whether it be through a breakup or a divorce or death, 
the more you're going to grieve. And it's just a bigger hole. It's a bigger hole that you have to, you know, empty and fill and, and allow your life to start taking form in new ways. And sometimes that takes a, that takes a while. Yeah, it does. It does. But how can we, okay. So I understand that time, it does take time to heal wounds, but how can we speed it up a little bit? Well, that comes with that one pivot turn, really. I mean, you know, that's why, like, I decided to write um, The Hero's Journey as it applies to healing. You know, it's like I thought about the different steps that I had taken to heal. And and it really was um, condensed down to these, you know, nine chapters, you know, about how to move, you know, step into the journey, prepare for the journey, allow it to awaken you. Um, you know, really to see, um, the jagged edge of your growth, like how, how has this shown up for me? What's my message in the mess? Um, how can this loss, this identity crisis actually propel you into a process of rediscovery? So I take you through that. I really hold your hand through rediscovering who you were before this loss happened, who you were before this relationship. I know when I went through loss. I had to kind of go back. I just, I went back to a lot of the insecurities bubbled up for me that were there when I was 19 years old. Mm. (laughs) I was like, suddenly I'm in my forties, but I feel like I'm 19 again. Mm -hmm. And, and that's, that is one of the things that happens is our old wounds that were masked by, you know, our life and and the relationship that filled us up. The old wounding can come back and, Mm. and, you know, kind of surfaces again. And it's an opportunity to really heal deeply and really heal those, those older wounds that, that are now exposed. Mm, I mean, that totally happened to me after my divorce. You know, it wasn't just about the divorce. (laughs) It it touched on so many, just, just old things that I, that I hadn't dealt with. And so that was, I think what was, um, challenging about getting over that was it wasn't just about the divorce. It was about everything it was bumping up against. So to have a guidebook for how to deal with this <laughs> is really, really, really helpful. And I'm curious, Chris, what, what was something you learned about yourself after Richard's death that surprised you? You know, I kind of really say the biggest surprise I had was that here I had been living, you know, this supposed conscious life. You know, I, I had been walking through my life, you know, as a personal growth leader with my husband and, you know, living this really beautiful life. But when he died, I, I realized I had been living asleep. Like mm-hmm. I really hadn't been feeling my life. I, I always wondered why I couldn't cry with tears of joy, you know, and I always thought that was so strange because I felt really happy and I felt genuinely happy, but I, I actually wasn't living, living from a place of true passion at that point, And I didn't even know it. I was, I was sort of sleepwalking through my life and I didn't even know it. And Richard's death really blew me wide open. And I, I started to realize, wow, oh my gosh, I was not living in full authenticity. I was not living fully expressed. And it wasn't because I was in a marriage or because I was in a relationship. It was because I was so attached to living my role Mm. as a dutiful, great wife and a dutiful, great mother. And I was so busy trying to hold a perfect life, you know, that I realized that there was tremendous freedom that happened for me when I was no longer holding the perfect life for my family. I mean, I had a very shattered life. But there was something in that, that, that set me free on some level. And, 
And again, this was very unconscious in me. It was very unknowing. It was a huge shock to me to realize this about myself. And and I did so with a little bit of shame, to be honest. I wasn't really proud of the fact that that I wasn't living super as awake as I could have been. Mm. You know, it was like, wow, really? How, how could that, how did that happen? That's what I was asking. Like, how did I let myself go there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but the beauty is that once I went through my own forgiveness process with myself, I realized that this really did happen for me, that this really did happen for my soul growth and that this really happened to count for huge growth in my life. And, and it, and you know, if I had maybe been more conscious and done it a different way, maybe this would have changed things. I don't know, but I know that this is the life that I've been given now. And I just decided that I was going to make the most of what I have to work with. Mm, mm, I love that. Was that a decision you made over time or was that like a one day you pivoted? You know, I kind of pivoted pretty quickly because I thought about all the responsibility of carrying on not only for, you know, my kids, but for Richard. Mm -hmm. And I really, um, I thought about the best way I could honor him and honor his legacy and honor what he stood for in my life was to live how he would expect me to live. And, you know, I really had to decide, you know, yes, I was going to go through this thing called grief but I really had to decide to embrace my life as an adventure. And what I realized looking back after 10 years is that I really realized I love life so much. I really love being alive. And I figured, you know, I'm just going to have this great adventure and I'm just going to have a love affair with my life. And that's the way it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's probably the safest way to go through life on some level because then no matter what, you know, what happens in your life, if you really can return to that one great love that you really love life in and of itself, then, you you know, you're still going to go through your losses, but you're still, you're going to have that, that beauty of, of being connected to your own life in a way that, that is an adventure that you, you hold very precious. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, such good stuff. So Let's talk about the importance of people sharing their own journey of heartbreak and healing. Why do you think it's so important for us to share that? Well, just like, you know, you and I are in this world of, you know, personal growth and and transformation. I mean, we share our story on a, on a platform that really is meant to impact a lot of people. But if we think in terms of everyone impacts somebody in their lives on a daily basis, whether it's how they broadcast the, you know, their own story on social media or how they talk about their lives in person. You know, I think that's where our power um, and our impact can really come in and that we impact everyone because everyone has a sphere of influence. There's a ripple effect to your stories and how you share them. So I really encourage people and from heartbreak to wholeness to Look at their story, look at their heartbreak from the hero's lens, tell their mm. own story to themselves from that lens. And then, you know, encourage them to share that with one other person when they feel really confident about it. And mm. because it's just a way that we learn and we've learned this way through history and that, you know, it's the things that we say that really impact everybody in our lives. And we can take this, um, you know, I, I love like Michelle Gilan's work and she wrote Broadcasting Happiness, you know, and she she talks a lot about the science of how we impact our culture through our spoken words and through our stories. And, 
you know, I feel that's very true that, um, you know, we have the opportunity to impact somebody positively or negatively by how we share our story. So why not choose to be positive? You know, why not choose to be empowered? You know, not every story is laced with, um, you know, positive, good feelings, but it's how you share your story and what you learned from your story that matters most. And mm-hmm. especially the stories you tell yourself. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of stories we tell ourselves, uh, one thing that I see is very common, and I've been in this when I've been in a, in a breakup, um, any kind of heartbreak or divorce or, or, or even this could even apply to death. The tendency to kind of obsess over what you could have done differently. Mm-hmm. Like if only I had done X, Y, Z, the person would still be here or that I would still be with the person or whatever. How do we get out of that terrible, uh, terrible place? <laughs> well, I know, um, I know you've done a lot of work in this area, and so have I. You know, we Richard and I studied a psychology very early on in our marriage um, called psychology of mind at the time. Um, now they've gone to you know teaching three principles of thought, mind, and consciousness. But I really think it goes back to you know really understanding that our thoughts are really the first step in acknowledging the story that we're telling ourselves, and that. If you can become conscious of your negativity and your negative thoughts, um, then it doesn't matter what they're about. You start to realize that if you're going to have these negative thoughts, they're like sticky tape. They're always going to stick to you in a certain way that are going to make you feel a very similar feeling. So therefore, the things that we think that we would regret, you know, living in our past, I mean, believe me, I went through this myself when I was in grief. There were so many times where I was thinking about, oh my God, if I'd only, you know, if I'd only done this, Richard would still be alive, you Mm -hmm. know, which probably wasn't even true. But I would say that to myself. Then I'd realize, of course, I'd be in deep grief every time I said that to myself. Well, you know, you can be like a person that's going to sit and, you know, bang your head against a door, you know, Mm -hmm. (laughs) most of us aren't going to do that. Most of us are going to bang our head once and say, oh, ouch, that hurts. Yep. And then stop what you're doing that's actually creating the suffering. And, you know, this is where our suffering becomes optional. It really does. It's when you have that moment of consciousness and you realize that you have these thought patterns that are going around in your head like a hamster on a wheel, and they're always the same and they always lead you to the same destination of feeling life a certain way. That's when you can step off. It doesn't mean grief will be over. It just means that you won't be grieving for the same reason because you've become aware, you've become conscious of what you're doing to yourself. And this is, again, at the very nature and the very heart of what it means to take personal responsibility for your own happiness. Yep. Yep. I love that. And as we, as we round out here, um, I'd love for you to talk about if you're open to it developing a relationship with someone that has transitioned to the other side, like after you get over the kind of initial grief, how do you continue to have a relationship with someone who has transitioned or is it, is it healthy to well, I believe so. I mean, I certainly felt that it was very healthy for me. I mean, I, I've always said to people, because one of the biggest things that you find with, especially people who lose people to death, um, that they love deeply when they're, um, you know, in that, in that transitional space, I always say, you know, we don't move on, we move forward and we carry them with us. And, you know, it, it's a beautiful thing when you can realize that, 
I mean, my understanding, and this is just my own personal belief system and understanding, um, is, you know, I've learned from Richard in his new formless state that life is a continuum, that I don't believe that life just ends with our body. I feel like we're like, our soul leaves our body like a, a, you know, pair of shoes it dusts off. And our soul is free to experience itself in a different way. And Yet our soul is also free um, and it, to experience um, a different connection to those people that we have those love connections with, those deep strings of attachment, those deep strings of bonding. I don't believe that that ends with a body, and it mm-hmm. certainly hasn't been my experience. There's many times where I feel Richard with me as if he was in the kitchen and our backs were turned to each other. And he was present, but we weren't talking. And Mm. I have that feeling very much of the time. And I, you know, I had this great experience. Um, One time sitting at the hairdressers, um, I turned to this woman and I was talking to her. We were both in those boils getting our hair Mm -hmm. in colors. We look like aliens, you know. And so we were talking and and she said, um, um, what are you doing this weekend? Is Are you getting your hair done for, you know, something special? I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to a concert. And. We talked about that concert. So yeah, my friends really want me to go, but I don't want to go because I'm I'm really sad. My grandmother died and my grandmother was my best friend and my friends just think I should be over it. And she had told me she'd heard me speak too. She said, oh, I, I heard you speak once. And, and so she knew, you know, she knew that she was talking to somebody that, you know, could maybe potentially help her out on this one. And so I said, I said, well, you know, my experience of loss is that we all have our own time and that people around us don't often understand that just because they think we should be over it, we're not over it yet. You know. Mm-hmm. So I was like, but I, but I said, she goes, yeah, I'm just so sad because I've really, I've missed her so much. I've missed my grandmother. And I just, I feel like she's just gone to me and I just mm. don't. And I said, well, if you thought about, you know, your grandmother and she was, she, and let's just say, let's just say she was still around. Let's just say that, you know, she's not in her body and you can't talk to her in the same way you can, but she's not going to respond to you in the same way. But let's just say your grandmother could still be around. Where do you think in this world she would be if she could still be around? <clears throat> she said she'd be right next to me. And I mm. said, so let's just say that if you're open to it and you begin to talk with her and have a conversation with her, let's just say maybe she is right there with you and that it's really you that's closed off to her, not yeah. her that's closed off to you. And, you know, she's burst into tears and it, and she, she was like so hopeful and so happy. And, you know, that's what this is about is, you know, you, we all have to um, continue our lives in a way that works for us. And, when we lose somebody that we love, you know, you can come to a profound understanding that you know that they would be with you. You know that they would have a conversation with you if they could speak to you in the same terms. But if you're open to it, it becomes a very magical experience to continue that relationship forward. Very magical. It brings a whole different level of spirituality and dimension to your life. Um, that's, it's magical. Ah, Well, speaking of magical, you are so magical. (laughs) Thank you for your work. Thank you for this book. Tell people where they can get it and where they can connect with you. Oh, thank you, Christine. Well, you can go to from heartbreak to wholeness.com and go there because if you take your receipt back there, I've given you a bunch of really wonderful bonuses, including 
the um, some guided meditations that will really help you in the workbook section of the book. They're called Soul Mantras. And um, I just, you know, wish you all the best. And Christine, just wonderful podcast. Thank you for the work that you Aww. do. Such a beautiful light in the world inside and out. And it's just such an honor to be on your show. Thank you. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you so much for the work you're doing. Thank you for being my friend. And thank you again for putting this wonderful work out into the world. Ah, thank you. And before I sign off, just want to give you some useful car tips. Do you know that a coffee filter and a little bit of olive oil can clean your interior? Removing excess weight from your car will improve gas mileage and you can place your key fob to your chin to increase its range. Well, here's another tip you may not know about. True Car also helps people get used cars. That's right. True Car isn't just for buying new cars. With their certified dealer network and nationwide inventory of nearly 1 million used cars, you'll enjoy real pricing on actual inventory and a simpler car buying experience, whether you buy new or used. And with TrueCar, users can see what others paid, so they'll know if they're getting a good deal before buying. They're more likely to enjoy a faster car buying experience by connecting with a TrueCar certified dealer. When you're ready to buy a new or used car, check out TrueCar and enjoy a more confident car buying experience. Some features not available in all states. All right, everybody, that's Coach's Corner for this week. Every Wednesday, you catch your live life coaching episode. Every Saturday is a Coach's Corner. Until next time, wishing you much love and many blessings.